Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE podcast. We are back, baby, and uh, first and foremost, I want to apologize about any sound quality issues on this podcast. I uh, lost my old microphone. I have a new one coming, but we are traveling this weekend, so I will not be able to record with it uh, yet, at least. It will all be better next week, so I'm using a simple headset microphone for this podcast today, but I wanted to make sure I got it out because I wanted to talk about Blood and Guts with you guys, and I said I would be back this week, and I am back this week, and I'm so excited to get into all that happened on Dynamite last night. And we will get into all of it right after this. I think she's a little sweet on Christian Cage, if you know what I mean. The AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. Nobody is on my level. The TBS Champion. Nobody in the world. I want you to fire me. You everybody like I said we are back and back at it and talking about AEW blood and guts first and foremost guys it's good to be back uh, if you are not subscribed already we are on patreon for 99 cents a month or a dollar one of the two I don't know uh, we are also on Apple Podcasts. you can subscribe on there to get all these shows ad free uh, totally worth it so much content so much awesome content so make sure you do that if you have not already but without further ado, we're just going to jump right into it because we had Orange Cassidy versus Ethan Page to kick off Dynamite this week and some new music for Orange Cassidy. Uh, really awesome, really awesome that uh, Tony Connell put the money out to uh, get these rights fees and all that stuff. So I like it. I did really like Orange Cassidy's old theme. However, this was good as well. So And then we had Dan Lambert coming out with uh, Ethan Page. And I don't know about you guys, but I just... Dan Lambert has a lot of go-away heat for me. He doesn't really do it for me. Some people say he's one of the greatest heel talkers. I, I don't really see it. I, I People put him on a Paul Heyman level, and it's just not there for me. But whatever, people seem to like him or hate him or like hating him, so it works. Uh, but I thought this match was a really good pairing. Uh, Tony Khan has a way of doing that. Ethan Page, great facial expressions. He's got great eyes, Great, just a great look to him. And, uh, and, you know, I've talked about it here on this podcast before, way back when now, but I've talked about it on this podcast before. I think Ethan Page is destined for great things. If, uh, if they just give him the proper push and he gets a little bit more of a character to him, I think he's, I think he could be destined for really good things, at least a singles title in AEW. But, uh, like I said, this was a great pairing because he had some great facial expressions and anybody with some great, easy facial expressions like, um, Will Ospreay, for example, Perfect example, perfect relevant example, is a great opponent for Orange Cassidy. And before we talk about the rest of the match, guys, I mean, first of all, the crowd was hot, super hot for this match, super hot for Orange Cassidy, and you can understand why, considering the incredible match he had with Will Ospreay on Forbidden Door, which as a whole was an awesome pay-per-view. I'm sure we'll get into it as we go down the card this, uh, as we go down the card about Dynamite last night. But uh, yeah, I mean, that match with Will Ospreay was probably my favorite match of the night. I, I don't know about you guys, but I think the reversals, just the high-flying action, Will Ospreay as a whole is just an incredible talent. I think AEW should try to get more of him on television. I would support it. I know a lot of other people would be all about it. So yeah, I mean, Orange Cassidy was hot. The crowd was hot for this match. And uh, there was an awesome ego edge counter where uh, Orange Cassidy's trying to put the hands in the pocket. Pop me for sure. Uh, and then the match ended with two orange punches and a uh, split of a, a split. 
spit of orange juice into Dan Lambert's face, and then we got the power slam that had been teasing, that Orange Cassidy had been teasing throughout the match. Uh, and yeah, we got a win for Orange Cassidy and a good opening match. I, I enjoyed this, so... Speaking of things I enjoyed, up next we had Kristen Cage in the Kristen Cage segment before the uh, Luchasaurus squash match. But yes, Kristen Cage came out, he had a great line about wishing Jungle Boy's whole family was dead uh, so that they didn't have to see Kristen just dismantle him in front of uh, in front of his mom and his daughter, not his daughter, in front of his mom and his sister and all that. And he said, I wish um, all of his family was dead except for his mom. Did the little call me thing. I'm loving Christian Cage as a heel again. He plays such a good kid. He just does. And uh, he does a really good job at it. So, And then turning Luchasaurus against Jungle Boy was the surprise of the night. Luchasaurus coming out. We had a feeling, obviously, after what, uh, cons- uh, what, what conspired, what occurred last week. Uh, on Dynamite with Luchasaurus and Christian, but uh, I, I guess I wasn't expecting it so quickly. However, I loved it. Luchasaurus's new music was great. This was a brutal squash match against Serpentigo, and uh, yeah, no complaints all around here. So, backstage again, we had TNT Champion War, uh, not TNT Champion, TNT Champion Scorpio Sky talking to Wardlow. They have some no physicality rule. And uh, Wardlow was really great here. Wardlow's been really great all around, and and I'm sure we'll talk about MJF soon enough as well. But Wardlow said he's done talking, he wants to take the title, and we are getting a street fight next week. So you know there's going to be shenanigans there. I'm a little bit worried. I really just want Wardlow to win the TNT title already. I think now is the time to pull the trigger. I think we're done with Scorpio Sky as a TNT champion. I think it was an experiment. I, I don't think it really worked. Uh, that's just my opinion. I don't know how other people necessarily feel about the whole Scorpio Sky push, but I think it's a pretty world, uh, what am I, what's the word I'm looking for? A pretty, uh, a lot of people are agreeing that this whole title run for Scorpio Sky just kind of hasn't been it, and really I want that TNT title to be, uh, as big of a deal as it was when Miro was holding it and when Darby Allen was holding it as well, so hopefully Wardlow can bring, I hate to say it, like, but bring prestige back to the title, that's not what I mean, but, you know. We did talk about Sammy Guevara having an orgasm with uh, Tay Conti on the title. So, there's all that. Alright, next up we had the Acclaimed versus Danhausen. And what do you know? FTR. I would have never put these uh, this pairing together. But you know what? It worked. I absolutely love this group between the Acclaimed and the Gun Club. Uh, specifically, Anthony Bowens and his incredible energy. I think he just brings a new... Uh, he just brings a lot of energy to the group, and, uh, and you know, I love the new little gimmick they have. Uh, and then I think this match was just really more fun than anything else. Not much to analyze here, mostly just beating up Danhausen until we got a hot-tagged FTR. Uh, I'm not sure what the heck happened with Gun Club and the Acclaimed at the end of this match. Obviously, FTR and Danhausen getting the win, but uh, maybe it's leading to an Acclaimed face turn, which I'd be all for against the gun club, but Billy Gunn turning on his sons for the acclaimed, his uh, true sons, I guess, apparently. I- I'm not sure, but you know what? I'm along for the ride, so. Uh, and after that, we had Satnam Singh and Jay Lethal uh, backstage talking about Samoa Joe. Uh, he said, uh, you know, basically, where's Joe been? Challenge me already. Give me the title shot. And you know what I have to say? This feud has sucked. How it's like every single week we have a segment on this, and then when is it going to happen already? And and I really don't think it's a good look for Joe to not be around. Uh, I don't know if he's injured, what's going on, but uh, because this match is taking way too long to happen and get booked, and it's just making the babyface champion look bad. 
we as fans want a, you know, fighting babyface and uh, as our champion, and although it's a Ring of Honor TV championship, I don't know. Apparently Ring of Honor is returning back to pay-per-view, so that'll be exciting. I, I guess this is a perfect time to talk about it, guys. Let's talk about the amount of titles that are in AEW because I think it's way too much at this point. You know, we got the All-Atlantic title, we have trio titles possibly on the way, we got the tag team title, the TBS title, the TNT title, the world title, the women's world title, we have all these Ring of Honor championships, and we just had a pay-per-view with a bunch of championships from New Japan as well. I just think, you know, supply and demand, guys, supply and demand, and the more of something there is, the less value it holds, and that's exactly how I felt about this, so... I, or how I feel about these titles. I think the more titles you have out there now, and listen, like I'm all for Pack holding a singles title, but I would have just given him the TND title. Uh, what has Scorpio Sky been doing with it, anyways? And I know Wardlow is kind of the next big thing for that slot, but this is the point of having a bloated roster. You have so many stars, and you're trying to build new stars, but you already have stars like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, or excuse me, Brian Danielson, and uh, Pack is a star too, in my opinion. You got Miro, you got all these guys that you want to push, but then you've got new building stars like the, uh, I was about to say the Young Bucks, oh my god, no, um, Jungle Boy, you've got apparently, we're pushing Luchasaurus a bit, or at least he's a heater, you've got uh, Daniel Garcia, you've got Wheeler Yuta, and then you've got guys like Keith Lee and uh, Swerve Strickland, who are kind of getting lost in the shuffle of the whole thing, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, two other young guys you want to push. Just a big bloated roster and not uh, too many titles. Like for two hours of television and then one hour of Rampage, I just think it's too much going on. And so this Ring of Honor whole thing needs to get going. We need to get a Ring of Honor TV show going on, a weekly television show. Maybe they just put it on YouTube if they can't get a TV rights fee uh, for the whole thing. And um, I, I don't know. I, I just think we need to remove some of the titles on AEW, telev AEW television it's just too much. I don't know how you guys feel. Let me know. You can follow me on the Twitter, at Mimi Burris, or you can tweet me. Uh, it's it's too much for me. It's too many things going on, and it devalues the other titles that are out there. So, But let's move on. We had, speaking of titles, we had the TBS Championship Open Challenge. And honestly, guys, in my notes, I just have Jade squash somebody because I, I really couldn't care less about this. It went way longer, I think, than it needed to. I really couldn't. I was, like, not paying attention. This women's division, guys. Oh, God. The quarter hour women's division. It's the quarter hour. You know what that means. <laughs> it's the women's division time. And uh, yeah, I, I, Serena Deeb, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker, Tony Storm. You've got all these women now who are, who have the potential to be stars. And possibly, you guys, Sasha Banks coming to AEW. Could you imagine? I had Charlotte Flair as the first horsewoman to come to AEW, and I was wrong apparently because it looks like the most possible, the most possible, uh, or the biggest possibility is going to be uh, Sasha Banks. I don't know if she's officially released from WWE yet. We haven't got that confirmed, but if she does, I mean, there's stardom and there's Japan, and she could definitely wrestle over there. However, and I think she will definitely do a stint there. However. The next biggest promotion, the next biggest wrestling promotion in the world is AEW, and I can see her coming over here. But if I were her, I'd take a peek at this and think, this women's division isn't really all that great. And uh, and I just came from a women's division that they're not trying to elevate these titles that I'm trying to elevate. Do I want to come to another women's division that gets, you know, the, it's the quarter hour, you know what that means. Uh, or do I want to go to somewhere where it's all about women's wrestling, even if maybe I'm not going to get paid as much. Uh, any company she goes to should spend 
copious amounts of money on her. I'm talking about CM Punk money. Like, she is, uh, I'm not the biggest Sasha Banks fan in the world. I will be honest about that. However, she is a superstar, no pun intended. So, yeah, this women's division is is floundering for sure. And you know what? They have the power and the possibility now to do something about it, and they're not. Uh, and I think the new title looks great. I know it's not so new anymore. The new uh, AEW women's title, that was a big step in the right direction, I thought. Uh, I thought Thunder Rosa and Tony Storm had a great match on Forbidden Door, and you want to know how many times they mentioned it? Zero, at least that I heard. Uh, again, another match that Thunder Rosa has, and then there's no follow-up on Dynamite the next week. Same thing happened with Serena Deeb match. At uh, Was it All Out? What am I? What was the last pay-per-view? Double or nothing? I'm blanking now. Yeah, uh, uh, it's sad because you guys know how I feel about women's wrestling. I think women's wrestling can be just as good as the men's wrestling if they get the push and the uh, attention that they deserve and the um, the possibility to just not be in the third quarter hour every single week. So, uh, But it doesn't look like that's happening anytime soon. So I will continue to sit here and hope and have my hopes and dreams squashed before me over and over and over again, just like Jade Cargill squashed this poor wrestler. Um, I didn't even write her name down. I'm sorry. No no disrespect to her. I just couldn't have cared less about this. And then we got the main event, guys. Blood and Guts. We had a great promo package for it. And then, uh, then the Jericho Appreciation Society comes out. The Jericho Appreciation Society comes out. Their gear, guys, was incredible. Red suspenders, mesh red shirts, the leather pants, and the fedoras. They looked like absolute idiots, and that was the exact goal. Jericho is big on self-owns, and he knows exactly what he's doing. Um, and it was perfect to have them with the advantage right away. That's the way to go, the heels with the advantage. Um, we got a huge pop for Eddie Kingston and Cesaro, specifically during the entrances. I thought that was really well-deserved as well. And then Santana and Ortiz looked awesome with their face paint, specifically Ortiz with a new shaved head. I thought he looked really, really, really cool. Uh, JR said it best, but I thought John Moxley, too, gave me huge Steve Austin vibes while he was entering. Um, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I know the the beer drinking isn't there anymore, but I think uh, just the attitude overall, He's he is a superstar for sure. You know, he's my wife's favorite wrestler. I can say that now. He's my wife's, my wife's favorite wrestler, guys, um, uh, because just he's John Moxley. He's John freaking Moxley. Um, so, yeah, uh, Sammy, Sammy Guevara, Cesaro started off the match. I thought overall throughout the entire match, I mean, including the cage spot that we're going to talk about, Sammy Guevara was just absolutely incredible in this match. It made all the sense in the world to have him just be avoiding Cesaro through the whole beginning, considering they had the advantage. Uh, and I thought the commentary continued to mention that Eddie Kingston and Cesaro have uh, have beef, that they're, they continue to talk about it throughout the match. And I love that because I just love that other wrestling companies and history matter in AEW. Just a quick side note there. But um, uh, Garcia came out next, and he looked ridiculous with his do-rag. Just stupid as all hell. Um, and then Wheeler Yuta after that, then Jake Hager. We got a huge pop for Moxley who came in next. And, uh, yeah, I thought this weapon, uh, the steel cage being used as a weapon throughout the match was really good. I, I know they brought in other weapons, and I, and sometimes I like that. Sometimes I think you should just use the cage for itself. But I guess if you're in a blood and guts match, I'd probably bring a barbed wire bat too. So and uh, Or if you're John Moxley, you bring a fork. Because John Moxley just went around stabbing people with a fork. Uh, Angelo Parker came in next, and uh, and he makes it into my best bleeders club, guys. The best bleeders club with uh, the bunny as the best uh, number one still. Sorry, but Angelo Parker definitely up there with CM Punk as well. 
Uh, he looked awful. He had blood all over his face, all over his chest, and I guess that's what happens when you get stabbed with a fork repeatedly. So, uh... Uh, Ortiz came in next, ran wild for a little while, and then even though the Jericho Appreciation Society had the advantage at points, I thought that the baby faces still managed to keep control for a large portion of the match. And I, and I really liked that, because I thought it kept it entertaining. It wasn't just like a giant heat angle, which I've seen in some War Games matches, and uh, and that gets really boring. So it was nice to see the baby faces get a lot of the advantage. Um, Still, uh, John Moxley just has a uh, need to stab people with things because now he just gets shards of glass and starts stabbing people with that. Gave a pile driver to somebody. I forget who it was. I think it was Angelo Parker uh, or Matt Menard. Poor, poor guys were just bleeding like stuffed pigs, as JR would say. Um, and yeah, this match picked up when Jericho and Eddie finally entered. Eddie went straight for Jericho and just started whacking people with a kendo stick on the way to him. I thought that looked hilarious. Uh, Funny thing, though, they never ended up using that rubbing alcohol that was teased by Ty Conti. I don't know exactly what happened. This match ended a little bit early, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. Uh, maybe they just missed a spot or two that they were supposed to do, but, um, yeah, that was a weird little thing. And maybe maybe I missed it. Maybe I missed the whole rubbing alcohol thing, but I don't think so. I was watching this pretty intently. Uh, somehow, Angelo Parker ended up hanging outside of the ring. Did anybody else? Did I make that up? or imagine? I don't even know how he got out there. Uh, that was insane. Uh, great spot with Hager going through the table. It looked like a rough bump, though. Um, and then the fight got taken out to the top of the cage, and Eddie Kingston threw Sammy off the cage onto the tables. Uh, I think really made up for last blood and cuts with the cardboard. You know, you, you all know it when uh, Jericho got thrown off the cage. We all saw it. It didn't look good. This one looked incredible because not only did he throw him off the cage, but Sammy freaking Guevara did a senton on the way down. Uh, looked really, really awesome. And then Eddie Kingston's face afterwards with the, just the laughing, sadistic laughing was really, really uh, sadistic. And uh, I thought played it off really well. And then the match ends with Cesaro tapping out Matt Menard and Eddie Kingston getting mad because he wanted to tap Jericho out, I guess. Uh, I don't know where exactly that's going. I assume that'll lead to a feud between Cesaro and Kingston, and I am all for that. That is going to be a hard-hitting match. Uh, I also wanted to quickly mention Eddie Kingston's, um, I always forget what it's called, but the spinning back fist looked really, really good on Jericho on the top of the cage as well. But they were kind of just hanging out up there for a little while. I don't know, maybe they were really gassed. You can't blame them. They were bleeding a bunch and probably exhausted. The cardio that you need for a match like that is incredible. However, yeah, they seemed really gassed, and I don't know exactly. This match was definitely choppy. Uh, it was messy at points, but really, I think the whole point of this is like not to be necessarily analyzed. It was really, it's not the best show for me to come back to and, and talk about uh, Dynamite, however, just because there's not really a lot to analyze on the show. It was just pure violence. Um, it kind of reminded me of a death match where it kind of makes little sense, but it's just utter violence for violence sake, and it adds to the uh, AEW buffet, which is just a whole bunch of different stuff that you can get your uh, get your hands on when you watch AEW. But uh, lastly, I want to say that I love the commentary throughout this match. I thought especially Regal did a good job, and um, I thought the commercial breaks throughout the match did a really good job as well. I thought they uh, really helped the match move along, especially while people were still uh, entering the match. I thought, uh, I, you know... At first, this match might not work for a TV setting. However, they did a great job last time, and I thought they did a really good job of cutting up the commercial breaks in this match as well. So all in all, guys, I really enjoyed this show. I thought it was really great. I know we're not doing a lot of talking about it. It's not really a lot to analyze, and I do want to get into Forbidden Door a little bit. 
uh, before we end this show. Just a couple things I want to mention. All the multi-man matches were all incredible. Uh, my favorite multi-man match probably being the four-way between Pac, Miro, uh, why am I forgetting his name now? Uh, Chuck Connor or something like that. And, uh, and Aleister Black, or Malachi Black, excuse me. Malachi Black, Miro, was it Chuck Connors? Something like that. And, um, yeah, that's the four of them. I don't know why I'm trying to add another person to that match. Pack, Miro, Chuck Connors, and uh, Aleister, or Malachi, I did it again, Malachi Black. That was probably my favorite four-way match on the show. Uh, there was a bunch of great trios action with the Young Bucks and Darby Allen and Sting and... Uh, I thought the f opening match was incredible. Shooter, Shooter was really awesome too in the opening match, uh, and great spots. My favorite uh, spot being that table spot with uh, again. I want to call him Chuck Connors, but I don't feel like that's his name. Uh, Clark Clark Connors, right? Let's go with that one. I, you guys aren't in here to be able to correct me, but Clark Connors uh, with that table spot with Miro. I thought they did. I knew knew they were going to get that guy over in the match somehow some way even though nobody knows him I knew the storytelling of the match was going to get that guy over and obviously we have Pac our new All-Atlantic champion and um no mention really of that a little bit of a mention of that title but no follow-up with that and I understand that the show is mostly about blood and guts but I thought they could have done a better uh, job of recapping some of the stuff on Forbidden Door throughout this show uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, like I said, Will Ospreay versus Orange Cassidy was the match of the night for me. The main event, I feel like AEW's got a problem with its main events, and it might just be me who feels this way, but like, I am tired by the end of these pay-per-views, guys. I am tired. Uh, and so it's hard for a match like with, with a match that isn't going to be like Orange Cassidy and Will Ospreay, for example, but a match between Moxley, who bled, again, also like a stuffed pig on that night too, and Hiroshi Tanahashi. To really get me fired up at the end of such a long show like that with such awesome action throughout it. But um, like I said too, I thought the women's match was really good. Tony Storm and uh, Thunder Rosa, they beat the crap out of each other. And that's what I keep saying about this women's division. I think they keep trying to do all these complicated moves, this isn't that. Like just beat the crap out of each other. Like hit each other hard. And I know that's easy for me to say on this side over here. But like that's, that's what a lot of these men do in AEW and how they get over so much. They just beat the crap out of each other. I look at John Moxley and look at uh, FTR too, probably the hardest hitting tag team in AEW, and they are probably the most over tag team. I loved that three way tag team match as well. Great storytelling, having Dax Harwood uh, injured and have to come back and get the huge pop for that. Cash Wheeler, the MVP of that match for sure. Uh, and yeah, uh, just a great pay-per-view overall. I really, really enjoyed it. So no complaints here. Really good dynamite. We look like we're on an upward trajectory. I have not been really enjoying a lot of dynamite lately. I just think a lot of things seem just too contrived and too much going on and too much like uh, attempted storytelling, but lazy storytelling at the same time. Uh, with these backstage things and whatever else and all this trying to intertwine everything. It's just getting jumbled. I want long-term stories again. Start planning for the next pay-per-view and the pay-per-view after that and the pay-per-view after that. I'm excited for this Christian Cage Jungle Boy feud. I'm excited to see what is next with MJF. He is definitely missed within the show. I'm excited for Wardload's push. There's a lot going on to get excited about, guys. And hopefully this is the end of the JAS and the... Um, Blackpool Combat Club and they can all move on to something else because I want to see hopefully Brian Danielson gets better soon uh, I want to see a TNT championship match between people like Weirly Yuta and uh, Wardlow I think that would be an awesome match Daniel Garcia and Wardlow 
a whole bunch of awesome challengers for Warlow to just beat the crap out of, assuming that he wins next week, which, guys, I'm really hoping he does. I hope there's no shenanigans, uh, but there probably will be, but I hope he just fights through that shenanigans. He did beat 20 men at once and pinned them all, kind of. So... All right, guys, with that being said, I know this was a shorter review, but I did want to get through this and get this on uh, the podcast feed before I left for my trip tonight. And so I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening, and we will be back next week to talk about Dynamite. And maybe we'll do a weekend review as well or otherwise. I'm not sure exactly how we're going to do this, but um, still petitioning for Zach Smith, to uh, our NXT host, to start a Rampage review and stop uh, reviewing that show 2.0. Oh, and before I go off, guys, I... Just breaking news, or not breaking news necessarily, but for me, breaking news. Two things I want to talk about. Kenny Omega possibly done with AEW and a done with wrestling. Only, let me let me preface that, only uh, if he has another setback is what he said. Uh, this was on some streaming service. I'm not sure what the source is but uh, exactly, but I just saw this online. He could be done with wrestling if he has another setback and God willing he does not guys because i miss kenny omega he is also really missed on this show so i wanted to quickly mention that and wish all my well wishes to kenny as always of course hoping he recovers and hoping he can be back as soon as possible he was definitely missed on the forbidden door pay-per-view so and uh, also santana injured in the aew blood and guts match i wanted to wish my uh give my well wishes to him as well hopefully he gets better as soon as possible injuries just plaguing aew right now we got cm punk brian danielson now santana and plaguing wwe as well with cody rhodes and and others so uh hopefully hopefully these guys and gals you know bailey still out on the shelf she seems to be okay we're just waiting for a return on that but uh Hopefully these guys and gals get better as soon as possible and we get them back on the show as soon as possible. They are definitely missed. And, uh, yeah, especially our world champion. Uh, I'm excited for that John Moxley CM Punk match that's probably going to come along soon enough. I'm excited to see who's going to be the uh, challengers. I'm excited to see Rampage, the Battle Royale, I think it's what it is. Uh, a lot, a lot of exciting stuff going on, like I said before. So, all right, with all that being said, I did want to quickly mention that stuff. And now, without uh, further ado, I will talk to you guys next time. Thanks for listening to the WWE Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a show or head to wwepodcast.com. And for all of these shows ad-free, head over to patreon.com slash WWE Podcast. Until then, we'll see you next time.